0: Welcome to another message from C3 Mumbai. For more information about C3 Mumbai, please visit our website c3mumbai.com or visit our Facebook page. Praise God. So I'm talking about prosperity today. All right. I'm doing a series on prosperity. God, I, I, I blatantly called it this. God, prosperity. No, God, sorry. What am I talking about? This is what I called it. Jesus, money and prosperity. That's what I called it. I wanted it to be really blatant, because these are the subjects we have to cover, right? Jesus, money, and prosperity, and what Scripture says about it. So today we're going to be talking about what Jesus says about prosperity. And, and the title of this sub-message, in the, it, we're, we're down to two, I've got one more next week. The title of that is, Is Prosperity, of today's message is, Is Prosperity Okay? Is it okay to be prosperous? Is it okay to be stinking, filthy, rich? We all want to be that, don't we? I mean, come on. Mostly, some people that like, no. We would all like to have enough or more than enough. But we do question whether or not it's okay if we do. Anybody with me on that? Some bit. I was like, okay, where is the line? What is too much? How do I, how do I, when, when, where, where do I draw it? Is it, is it like a person that has all of their needs met, has a roof over their heads and, 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 and a car or whatever? Is is it that, is that, is that enough or is that too much? Where's the line? Uh, and the question really lies in, is it okay for us to be living in abundance? Is it okay for a person who follows Jesus or any person Who was just living life, is it okay for them to be wealthy? I want to kind of begin to answer that question today. Anybody ever asked that question before? What What does Jesus say about it? Is it more righteous or more pious to be poor or to live some sort of ascetic life? You know the concept of asceticism, right? You understand that word? Just do this if you don't. No, we all understand, I do asceticism, okay? Yeah, to go and live in a forest and, and live a vow of poverty to be more pious. Is it more pious to do that? Does that necessarily make you more righteous? To have some sort of severe self-discipline? Is it morally superior to have less? Or is it okay to live a life with more than you actually need? Because that's what wealth is, right? Wealth is when you get into a place where you've got more than what you need? Or should we just be living with the bare essentials? Well, I want to answer something for you in this, and this I want to answer this question for you, and this is I, I, it would take me a number of weeks to just go through the scriptures to show you this to you. But some of you might be a little surprised by this, okay just going to get ready. Just, Do you like my new shirt? I've also got new shoes. It's the first time in weeks that I haven't preached with my Dr. Martins on, and I'm feeling good, feeling good. It's good. I miss my Dr. Martins, but these are cool, man. These are my wife. is. Um, she keeps me looking good. You know, I'm old now, so I need a, a young wife to keep me... Otherwise, something bad might happen. I might end up like some. She told me the other day I looked scruffy. No, what did you say? You said, You look scruffy, Ryan. You're scruffy. I said, What? I was like, Okay, so I had to brush everything. And yeah, anyway, that's what wives are for, right? Amen? Yeah. Uh, who's, you know, you're married, you're married, guys, or you want to get married. There's one area you should probably listen to your wife on, okay? Yeah, anyway. I don't know why I got into that. New shoes, new shirt. Is it okay to be prosperous? Is it okay to have more than you need? What does the Bible say about it? In the Bible, is it okay? The answer is yes, it is okay. I just want to set some, some, uh, some, some sort of religious spirits out of, the, out of the room, okay? And say, God is completely fine with you living in abundance. God is completely okay with you having more than enough. He's fine with it. When you look through the Bible, you look at guys like Abram or Abraham, guys like David, guys like Solomon, guys like Moses. These men were incredibly rich. I mean, Solomon, we don't really know how much he exactly had, but if you don't know this, you you may already know this, but he was one of the richest men that ever lived in history. So, so obviously, it's okay for you to be a follower of Christ and to be incredibly wealthy, because these men were incredibly wealthy. Some of you, I just heard a couple of, yes, <laughs> it's Like, okay, and I did that on purpose, because I don't want anyone feeling guilty for having abundance. It's okay, you can have abundance, that's no problem, at all. I mean, look at this. I've got a scripture in Psalms, chapter one, verse one to three. It's the first book of Psalms, written by who? Who remembers who wrote this? David, King David. Was da- King David Paul? No, he wasn't. And look what he wrote. He said, he said, blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers. But those who delight in the law, who, whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his Lord day and night, that person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do... What does it say there? Oh, no, no, Ryan. It's talking about a different prosperity. No, no. It's it's talking about money. First book, book of Psalms. It's like, well, there it is. It's like, boom. It's like, wow, that is in your face. It's kind of... It, who finds that kind of is a little a bit offended by that? It's like, no, hold on, God. I don't know. What's this Ryan talking about? Is he oh, he's taking some drugs today? You know, he's, he's, he's gone on some sort of trip where he's wanting everybody to be wealthy and he's going to become a prosperity evangelist. No, that is not what is going on right now. But you have to understand something. The Bible talks extensively about money and it talks about, it in, uh, it talks about abundance and prosperity. The whole listen. The Jewish race, uh, which is where our Bible has roots in. I mean, Jesus was a Jew, and uh, and and the this the if you don't know this, the first bit of the Bible is the Torah. It's the same. It's the same book that the the Jews live by. Listen to me. A lot of that book, the Torah has 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 practical stuff in it on how to be wealthy. It talks about seed, time, and harvest. Well, you gotta you gotta plant when when it's in season and there's also there's a there's a whole there's a whole way that the 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 jews live by that has made them one of the smallest groups of people in the world but one of the richest okay it's from the bible you gotta understand this some of you are like i gotta find some of that stuff because i want to be rich (laughs) okay that's okay that's for you to discover but God's going to take you through a process, and I'm going, to, I'm going to teach you some stuff today that are going to help you in that. But nowhere in the Bible does it advocate that poorness equates with, with righteousness. Nowhere in the Bible. It does say, when, when, in, in reference to Jesus, it says that though he was rich, he made himself poor in order to do what he did on earth with us. I got the last bit of that scripture wrong, but it's basically what it says. He, he, he was rich. And, and when, when, we, when we're talking about the richness of God versus, like, the richness of men, like, just think about it. Though Jesus was rich, what, what, do we, what kind of wealth are we talking about? He's God. Uh, he can create at His word whatever He wants. Okay, he doesn't have to go and toil for his money. He can just—he can literally make it. So Jesus, coming from heaven, where I talked about this last week with the road base, the road base, what the roads are made out of, is not bitumen, but gold. Let me tell you something. Jesus was rich. He made himself poor. How did he make himself poor? By coming here. And even if he was to live the most lavish life that you can think of on earth, okay, that is still poor in comparison to what he came from. You understand? But in in order to achieve what he needed to achieve, he came and lived a life so that he was constantly on the run. But you have to remember something. He had a treasurer. You know that, right? Jesus had a treasurer. His name was Judas. Can I just say something? Poor people don't need treasurers. Okay? You don't need a counter of the money when you ain't got no money. That's just weird. Can you count the money, Judas? Uh Jesus! Uh, <laughs> I ain't got no money. He was able to pay for 12 men, keep them kept... They went from place to place, they, had, they were mouths to feed, all of that sort of stuff. Jesus wasn't, wasn't, it's not talking about Jesus as in, he was like this sort of ascetic poor guy. No, that's not what he was. Jesus had enough to live by. He had enough to provide for his, his guys, and they did in the end have people also giving in to the ministry because, I mean, he was going around changing lives. Let me tell you something, when lives are getting changed, there will be some money that comes out of that, Right? You know that's that's what we do here, okay? That's why we have to set in place a process for our church where there has been where there has been money that comes in. We we just then took up an offering, right? What what happens with that money? Is it goes in? There's two people that go and count it over there, and and those two people sign off and they count every note and they count every bit that comes in, and then Garima goes and. Gets that, and she goes, okay, that's the notes, and those same notes will go down to the bank, and and the banker counts in those same notes, and it all goes into the bank, okay, and we and it's a section twenty five company, we have to be audited by by an accountancy firm and all of that sort of stuff. Listen, it's it's all done properly because look, there will be money that flows into the kingdom of God when lives are changed, and it was the same with Jesus. And my point is this: Jesus wasn't an ascetic, poor guy. He was a man with a purpose. So it's okay. I just does warn us of What Jesus does warn us of is greed. Greed. He warns us directly of greed. We need to talk about greed. And Jesus talks about it pretty directly, and he has some parables about it, and he he goes ahead up against greed. And to define what Jesus is talking about when he says the word greed, because in this room there's probably a few definitions, if I was to do a show of hands and, and say define greed, you may define it, but it may be slightly different to what Jesus was defining greed by, but it might be kind of the same. But it's important to understand what Jesus was talking about when he was talking about greed. I want you to turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 12, Luke chapter 12, and we're going to read from verse 15, and I'm going to go down from there. But first, I'm going to start with verse 15. Yeah, it keeps on blowing my... Anyway, it's all right, I'll do it, it's all right. right, You do it then, fine. Okay, cool. Thank you. Yeah, just push that button. Okay. Okay. Luke chapter 12, verse 15. Now, I'm, going to, I'm going to read the rest of this to you, but I'm just going to start here. Then he said to them, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of... Say it, say it loud. You need to... You're sleepy today, you didn't have enough... Be on... Be, be on your guard against all kinds of. Oh, there you are. Life does not consist in abu- in an abundance of possessions. possessions. So let's just define what Jesus is talking about when he's talking about greed. When Jesus was talking about greed, what he is talking about is a life which which its worth is, devi- is defined by its possessions. Or, let me put it another way, greed happens, or the seed for greed happens in one's heart, when, when their whole life, their whole life's value is defined by what they have, or their possessions. You understand. That's how greed begins. This is what drives this consumerism across the globe that we are seeing that is just rampant. Where rubbish dumps and refuse places where the rubbish goes, that magic place where it goes and we all forget about it, are filling up faster than we can actually keep up with. The ocean is full of junk and rubbish. And, and it's all coming out of this, this place where... There are people who are living with more than what they need, so they just, I want something new, I want something new, okay? Where does that come from? See, when one's life is defined by their possessions and what they have, they're going to always be finding themselves wanting more meaning. How do they get more meaning? By getting more stuff getting more possessions filling up the bank account getting the new car getting the new apartment getting the new this the new iphone the new samsung the new goes on goes on and it goes on now the problem with this is this is that after a while the thing, the product, the stuff that you've got tends to lose its meaning when you're bored of it. So we live in this constant like, I need more. And, 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 and listen to me, these big smart marketing and advertising agencies, you might work for one of them, so it's okay, I don't, I'm not having a shot at anyone's job or what you do, but they will always show you what you don't have. And they will always try to convince you that you need it. Your life is going to be so much better if you live in this apartment. You know? They'll have some sort of model that looks like me looking over from a balcony with a glass of whiskey in his hand, looking at the view and say, look at Bombay. From this angle, your life would be better if you live here. And then the next billboard is Oppo phone, selfie, selfie, selfie. I don't know, it's just like, it'll always be stuff that you don't have, right? And and we get tricked, we get tricked into this. My life will mean more if if I have that, 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 I need that, I need that. Jesus defines greed as a life which meaning is defined by its possessions. Now, and and the trouble with this is, is that when our lives are defined by that, when our lives are defined by our possessions, your life will presently never be enough. And contentment will be a problem. I mean, listen to some of the things we say when we talk about a rich man. What's the first thing we want to find out about that person? So how much is he actually worth? I mean, listen to our language. How much is he worth? What do you mean, how much is he worth? What's giving him that worth? The money. He's worth what? I don't know. If you want to define it by money, well, he's got some money in the bank account and he's got this asset and that asset and he has an island off in the thing and whatever, who cares, right? But we, us human beings, have defined our lives and our value system according to monetary worth. And Jesus says, this is where greed begins. Have you, ever, have you ever gone to a wedding or, or an event, someone's birthday party or, or you've traveled abroad and you've gone and stayed at someone's house or even you've traveled around and you've gone and stayed at someone's house and they're, they're, they're a lot more like wealthy than you? You know what I'm talking about. Have you ever, have you ever felt that because of that person's wealth, they have more value than you? Have you felt that? you know what I'm talking about i remember I remember when we first began this church before we started it uh, we we did this training uh, Rachel and I in Singapore some church planning training and the church there that was hosting us had some extremely wealthy people in their church, and uh, we kind of. To, to save money, this organization, they kind of put us out to different houses, right, um, for accommodation. And uh, Rachel and I, like, Rachel came over from, from Australia. I was already on the trip, and, and uh, we, 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 we got to this house in Singapore. And if you know Singapore, it's, um, it's pretty expensive real estate. And I, I, I turned up to this house that I'm staying in, and it was the, I can't remember, he was the CFO of uh, Lenovo. And this guy lived in a house that was three stories high with a lift. And I, I remember walking in. Rachel was still arriving. I walked into this house. I'm like, holy m- moly, what is going on here? And there was a dog, right? And the dog was used to the house. Obviously, he lived there, and they had two maids and all of that. And I'm from Australia. I'm not used to maids, and I'm, I'm a bit more used to it now. But, but I, I walk into the house, and the, the maid meets at the door. Hello, sir. How are you? I'm like, hi. And I and walk through. I'm like, uh okay, this is huge, and, and the dog follows me into the lift, and so here I am, and in this glass lift, with a big golden retriever, like, yeah, this is my lift, this is my lift, I'm like, this is your lift, I can't believe this, it's just like, I'm going up to the third floor, and the maid somehow is up there too, she's run up the stairs, and, and she, 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 she sees me up, and this is your room, sir, I'm like, okay, I couldn't believe it. But I just remember the feeling of feeling so small in that house. Oh, what am I doing here, God? I I this is not me. I don't I don't understand. And I I, I mean I I kind of texted measure, I'm like, right. This house is stinking awesome, it's amazing, it's so huge. But I remember this feeling also of just this loneliness. You know, like this feeling of like, well, man, I, I I've I've done something wrong, you know. If there are people out here. In places like Singapore and stuff like that, who were living like this. I don't know, maybe I've missed the mark. And my own sense of self value was affected. As much as I enjoyed it, but I knew I was living someone else's life, you know. Understand? Who's been there? You've got to understand something. Jesus said that your worth is not defined by your possessions and the beginnings of greed and greed is a sin will start when you begin to define yourself by your possessions and you're going to find this is how you'll know it's sin because the product of sin will be some sort of like icky, yucky horrible feeling inside of you You might even be happy. I was happy being in that house, but in the background, I'm like, man, I got to, I got to think of a way I can get like this. I got to, I got to, man, if I want this sort of stuff, I began to covet, you know. And and that is the trap of money and possessions. Now, is it okay that that gentleman who lives in that house, if he's still there, good Christian man, loves the Lord, he follows, he goes to church every week, he. Um, he gives, I'm sure he does, he has it all, he has it all together, it's okay, God is completely fine with him, but you know what, for that guy, there's also someone who has more, you understand, there's the CEO, well you should see where he lives, and you should see the boat that he's got out on the harbour, you know, it's like, it just keeps on going, right, we're at whatever level we're at, the problem is not in the possessions. It's, it's when you define yourself by your possessions. Jesus defines this as greed. Watch out, he says in verse 15. If you can put that scripture up again. Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. So, Jesus goes on after this into verse 16. And to explain his point, he tells a parable. Because he's a great teacher. Jesus, one of the things he does to make a person think is he will tell a parable. So he tells this parable about a rich man who has an abundant harvest. Let's read it, okay? Verse 16. And then, after telling him this about possessions, he says this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. Now, let's just stop there for a moment. Let's just picture this man. He's a rich man already. You understand? Is Jesus saying that this rich man should be a poor man. Is Jesus okay with this rich man being rich? It's okay, you can, you can go, that's not a trick question. He's okay with it. I just, I just want you to see this, okay? The ground of a certain rich, rich man yielded an abundant harvest. Is Jesus okay with this man yielding an abundant harvest from his seed? Yeah, okay, good. You're like, I don't know if I should say yes or no. Ryan's going to trap me. No, I'm not. He thought to himself, because he has this abundant harvest, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. I've got so much, I don't know what to do. Anybody want to be in that position? i got so much, I don't know what to do with my crops. Then he said, this is what I do. I've got a brainwave. I'm a smart guy. I've made it this far. I know what to do now. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. Why not? I mean, I saw that upgraded version of those barns the one with the spout that comes out, the, the, the seed comes out faster and it's like got a conveyor belt and it puts it on the truck. It's so much better. And I will, I'm just going to get the bigger one. I'm just going to upgrade myself right here. I deserve it. I deserve this. I'm going to pat myself on the back. I deserve this. And there, I will store my surplus grain. And once that's done, I, I, I love this. Once that's done, so he's thinking about it, he's planning it. When I've, when I've got there, I'm going to say, when I've, when I've built the barns, when it's all done, then, 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 then. See, even this guy is struggling. Even though he's got the abundance, abundant harvest, he's still plotting. And then, and then, once I've done that, I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid out for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink. And be merry. But God said to him, You fool. This very night, your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be for whoever, with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich towards God. You see, this gentleman, his whole life was revolved around his worth being on his possessions. He got to a place where he's like, you know what? I've even got more than I need right now, so I can just totally relax. I can totally kick back. I've done it. I'm, I'm, I'm together. You know, his whole security system was in his money. He's like, well, I, I've, what do I have to work for anymore? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to build bigger barns. And I'm going to, I'm just going to, once those are built, I'm going to kick back. Because, well, I've got the security system, no need to work anymore. And God comes and says, hold on up, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. But you think your value and your security system is those vats? You're a fool. Because all of a sudden, this guy, he, he finds himself dead, dead. Dead and what's his money worth then? What's his money worth when he's dead? Oh, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do it from, you know, this person's gonna have it and that person's gonna have it. You can, you can try and you can put everything in place, but it doesn't guarantee. There's no guarantee that the that the whole reason what you give your life towards is going to actually achieve what you want in the end. There's no guarantee. But we treat it like it's like this big thing that's going to give us all the security and it's going to shore up the future. Yes, it will to some degree, but you can't guarantee it. You cannot. Now, I just want to go through a couple of things. Okay? Some of you are like, well, this is for the rich man because I'm not rich. I'm not rich. Now, in, in this country... Uh, we need to think about things like the family's wealth. It's, it's a less, where I'm from, it's more individualistic, okay? But when you begin to define, define your wealth by your family, not just by what you earn, but by, by your family, okay? Because it's all connected, right? I've learned that. I've had to learn that, right? Let me tell you something. If your combined income of your family is over 20 lakhs per year, the combined income of your family is over 20 lakhs per year, you are in the top 1% richest people in the world. Top 1% if your income is over 20 lakhs a year. In other words, you're rich. And if you don't believe me, I'll take you to some places where people don't have 20 lakhs per year and you'll see the difference between your lifestyle and theirs challenged let's just think happy thoughts it's okay all right but i am here to challenge you i am here to shake your tree a little bit and jesus did this because there is a danger this message this story about greed is for you as much as it is for the billionaire you understand So you can tap the person on the next shoulder next to you and say, you're in the 1% club. Now maybe, there are, maybe there are some people who aren't here today. And, and we, we believe and that God is going to get you into that place. I, I, I don't for a second believe that God wants anybody in a place of poverty. I don't for a second. And uh, God is going to get you into a place where you, all your needs are met. But God says to this man who has the abundant harvest and God is completely fine with him having an abundant harvest. When he says in verse 20, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then then really, who's going to get what you've prepared for yourself? What he's saying is your value, your safety net, your security, is not based on your possessions. It's not. This man's life's value, meaning, and security was centered all on his possessions and what he had. I'll say it again his value, his meaning, and security were centered on his possessions. I want to ask you today, solemnly, humbly, as a friend, does your value, meaning, and security actually lie in your possessions? And if your answer is no, my test would be this. I told a story last week of another parable where a rich young ruler came and stood before Jesus. And the rich young ruler, he said to Jesus, listen, tell me what I have to do to enter the kingdom of God. And Jesus says, okay, follow the Ten Commandments. He says, I do, I've been doing that since I was a boy. And then Jesus says, he says, he looked at him and loved him. And he said this, he said, one thing you lack, go and sell all of your possessions to the poor and then come follow me. I'll ask you again, does your value, meaning and security come from your possessions? If the answer is no, then the challenge for you is the same as the challenge for that rich young ruler. Then go and sell it all. Am I asking you to go and sell it all? No, I am challenging you. Let's be real. See, Jesus is not the kind of guy that kind of gives you some sort of system where you can fake it. He will get his knife out and cut straight to the bone. But through that, you're going to grow. And he's going to cut away some thinking and some stuff in you that needs to, it just needs to go. And money is one of these areas where it's like going to be the most challenging thing for you. This gentleman thought he had reached ultimate security. I've got all the value I need. I've got all the meaning I need. And I have all the security I mean. And next thing, you're dead. And then? What security do you have in death? Now, money might be able to sort of buy you a few more years in this day and age with the medical profession, You know, you might be able to put in another five years on your life. You've got a heart issue or you've got a diabetes or this or that. I don't know. Whatever it is that you might have. You know, money might be able to buy you a few more years. They're pretty good at that now. But it cannot buy you life. Money cannot buy you life. Here's the point I'm trying to make. I want you to hear this. Do not give your life to anything that will cost your life, which cannot give life. I'll say it again. I want you to hear this. Do not give your life to anything that will cost you your life, which cannot give life. I'll say it again. Do not give your life to anything that will cost you your life which cannot give life. Can money give you life? Can money give you life, yes or no? Have you given your life to it? Why would you give your life to something that gives you no security in the end. The reality is, people give their whole lives for this one thing: possessions, possessions. I must have, I must have, I must have, I must have. By the time I get old, I must have it all, I must have it all together, I must get it together. I just turned 40, you know, I, uh, One of the challenges for me as a young man still, but getting old, I'm like, "Flip, what am I doing?" I'm 40, oh my gosh. (laughs) I'll be honest with you, I was challenged by it. What am I doing? Like, oh man, I'm going to be 60 in 20 years, oh it's scaring me. I'm challenged by this. When I was preparing this message, I was as challenged as you're feeling right now. The problem with my job is I get to feel the burn before you feel it. (laughs) I don't want you to hear this. If you're deriving your value and meaning and security from money, you are following a mute and deaf and blind leader that cannot take you into your future. It can't. If you're deriving your value and security from that thing, you're a fool. That's what Jesus says. And I'm challenged by that because I know what it feels like to be that fool based on my decisions and my thinking processes sometimes. Whew. Luke twelve twenty one. Jesus says, he says, this is how it's going to be. For whoever stores up things for themselves And lives a life where their lives are defined by their possessions, but is not rich towards God. They're going to get to a point, see, God is going to let you be as wealthy as you want to be. Let me just say something you don't need God to be wealthy. I know some people, uh, religious people out there have, have attached somehow that, you know, because that person's wealthy, obviously they did something somewhere, maybe in a past life or whatever, that's made them that way. That, that, listen, if you work hard and if you follow the right principles, I can guarantee you will be rich. You don't need God for that. You don't need God for that. What you need God for is your security though. What you need God for is, the, is to lead you into the, to the future that he has for you. And it's not just an, it's a future right now. It's a future into eternity. It's a future that lasts forever. When this life is just a breath. It's a flash. And you can take nothing with you. Because it's all there already. You don't need to. See, see, every person, no matter who they are, whatever family they're from, whatever name they have, let me tell you something. They're all going to stand before God and go, ah, uh, no, I had, I was, you know who I am? Do you know who I am? God, God say yes, I know who you are. Did you know how much I had in my bank account? It's like, what, 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 that paper stuff, that paper? What, you thought you could bring it here? You're a fool. This is the kingdom of God. This will be how it is for those who are not rich towards God. They'll come to a point where they realize the meaningless of wealth and the meaningless of life. Psalms 39 verse 6 to 7. Now I just want to tell you something. It gets better, okay? It's about to get better. Just look at the person who says it's about to get better. I know it's a bit heavy, you're all a bit quiet, but I had to take you through this. Before the bad news, before the good news, there's always some bad news. Psalm 39, verse 6 to 7, it says this. Surely. Every man walks like a shadow. Did we get the right version? Okay, I forgot to tell you that this needs to be the New King James. Take that down. I'm just going to read it to everyone. That's okay. Just, just Sorry, that's my fault. I want you to hear this. Surely every man walks about like a shadow. Surely they busy themselves in vain. He heaps out riches and does not know who will gather them. And now, Lord... What do I wait for? My hope is in you. We heap up riches and we busy ourselves in vain. When it talks about a man who's walking about like a shadow, it's talking about just what is the true meaning of their life? Seriously, what is that? They busy themselves thinking their value is coming from this thing. Oh, what a champion! So, what I want to do is now help you how to be rich towards God. <laughs> like, okay, I get it, Ryan. You've drilled it home. I want to go and like cry now. Okay, it's okay. I'm going to teach you how to be rich towards God. And and I have to remind you something. What I said at the beginning of this sermon. God is okay with you living in abundance. In fact, He wants you to be living in abundance. I'll put it another way. God is okay with you being prosperous. In fact, He wants you to be prosperous. But the moment that thing defines you and makes you who you are, you are starting to walk into greed. That is the trap. And some of us, as we're walking with God, God wants to teach you some things about money. He wants to teach you things about value. He wants to teach you some things about business. He wants to teach you things about how to handle your money. And He has got you right where you're supposed to be. Not all of you. Some of you have had injustice and bad things happen. But you need to stop. Instead of looking at what you don't have, And looking at yourself and getting all insecure and I don't have enough and who am I and down on yourself. Ask this question, what is it God that you're trying to teach me right now? What is it that I need to learn? Because I can tell you something, in your hand is exactly what you need for abundance. Let me say it again, some of you don't believe me. You have to believe me on this. In your hand is exactly what you need for abundance. It's in your hand right now. I need my, in my, I have a, a visual. In my bag, there's an apple. I need that apple. Oh my gosh, I've totally lost time. You okay with if I finish this in the next five minutes? Thanks, princess. Is that the same apple? I knew it was a different apple. I really spent a lot of time polishing my apple. Who's, whose apple was this? Thanks, Mum. Always got food. Rachel's Mum has always got food. It's magic. It's magic. Okay, let's quickly turn to 2 Corinthians 9, verse 10 to 11. him now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and increase you got to hear this what I'm about to read is crazy we were just talking about someone who had an abundant harvest right who went and made his vats bigger because he had an abundant harvest and then we read this He will increase your store of seed and enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. Let's talk talk about money, guys. You will be, and it goes on, you will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God see what Paul was writing here when he wrote this he was writing to a church to give some money for a church in another city that was struggling this is what he was writing about and he goes into some principles and his Judaic roots when he starts talking about the seed first thing You've got to understand about God. He supplies seed to you. And what does that make you? A sower. You know, this apple is a real blessing. There's, God has given these apples. Now, you get to eat the apple. If you're, even if you're a farmer, you get to eat the apple. But if you're an apple farmer... Are you going to throw away the core? Why? Because there's seeds in there. What are you going to do with those seeds? What are you going to do on, go and go do with them? You're going to go and plant them. You're going to go and sow them. See, in the seed is where the miracle is. What money is, is a seed. Money is a seed. That's all it is. It can never... I mean, if I was to say, listen, I'm going to give you all of these apple seeds. I'm going to give you 12 vats of apple seeds. You'd be like, what the heck am I going? I'm not. I... And, I, and then I would say to you, listen, that's going to make you a better person. You, people are going to think of you highly, you know, because, because you've got these apple seeds. You're like, no, I don't want them. What am I going to do? I'll just take them put them in the rubbish? It's the same thing that we do with money. It's the same thing. All the money is, is it's a seed. Now in that seed, if you plant it in the right place, it's going to grow into a tree that provides. Now how do we get generous to God? Because when we start planting our seed there, that will be a tree that will flourish more than anything else. And it will become a source of life, not just m- money. It'll be a source of life. When, it, when the Bible talks about prosperity, it's talking about health. It's talking about all sorts of things, not just money. Because if, if we have to start getting rich towards God, how do we start getting rich to God, to God? We'll just start putting your seed in the right place. Now, the Bible talks about, I'm going to go back to it again, once again, it talks about the tithes all that is is planting a seed god says i'm going to give you 10 seeds 10 seeds you can do with the nine whatever you like go for it help yourself knock yourself out it's yours but give me one back plant one back that's how we begin that's how we begin the reason why God has put that in place is because it's, the, it's, it's a real thing. It's an actual thing that we can begin to do to say, yes, I actually do trust you, God, as my supplier, the supplier of my seeds. W- whether or not you believe that will be defined by whether or not you can tithe. If you can't tithe, and I'm not judging you, I'm, not, I'm just challenging you as a, as a loving brother, is, is, is this, if you can't tithe, it's probably because you don't believe God's your sower. Your, your supplier. That's why he has to say in Malachi, test me in this. Test me. Because he knew it would be hard for us. It's like, test me out, yo. It's okay. You can trust me. I'm the, I'm, the, I'm the supplier. It all comes from me. Don't believe me? Try it. That's what he's saying. Once we get down with that, then God actually begins to take us into a place of abundance. When he takes us into a place of abundance, I'm telling you something. He begins to give you a blessing so you can be a blessing. Let me just say this, and I've got to finish, I've got to finish, but Jesus wants you individually and us as a church as part of our our job to be love and light and that's part of our vision statement, part of that is to be a blessing in this city. And let me tell you something, this city needs a lot of money. Why? Because there are millions upon millions of people whose lives are defined by their wealth. They're so busy trying to prove themselves with this thing that will never prove them, that will never hold them up, that it's created this system where the poor stay poor and the rich just keep on getting richer. Let me tell you something. The church needs to cut through the center of that and begin to put in places of, of worship and schools and 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 orphanages and education facilities and entertainment places for for, for training up people in the arts and well, the church needs to be center in that. And let me tell you something, it's gonna come out of a place of generosity. When the church begins to understand that the, the he, he he who is The the supplier is God Himself. (coughs) It's God Himself. And when we get this, when we begin to step into this, you're going to find an abundance. But you're not going to be bound by it anymore. And God is not going to take you into that place until you get this. Because if He gives you everything and above and above and all of that in a place where it's defining you, it's only going to be actually something that is bad for you. It's actually going to hold you back. God is waiting for some people to get this. Let me just prophesy: there are going to be people in our church who are going to do well in business, in their jobs, and all. And it's going to be all of us together. I'm telling you, as we get this and we begin to sow. We will bring light like nothing else in this city and it will people will notice, people will see it. They'll be like What am I saying that you know the pastors living a lavish life? That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is we, the church, you and I begin to stand up. And where does it all begin? with knowing that God is our provider? How do we prove to ourselves that God is our provider when we start to trust Him? And how do we trust Him? We give. God is going to test you in this. He's testing us in this. He's testing us in this. For too long, the church in India has taken money from abroad. For too long. It's time it ends. India, if it wants the blessing of abundance, needs to start paying for itself. There is no problem with money in India, but there is a greed problem. There is a massive greed problem. Who's going to bring change? It's you and I as we stand. We get faithful in this area of our lives. I'm telling you something, there will be a flood of blessing that will flood through this church that nobody will be able to contain it and everybody will be able to see it. But it takes that one step of faith. I want you to go away and think about this. I want you to go away and pray about this. I want you to be moved because there is an opportunity that we have to make a difference in this nation. There is something that Jesus actually wants to step you into. He will give seed to those who are going to sow it into the right place. And he says this, he says, Trust me with the little things. What are you doing with the little stuff? You want much? He who can be trusted with the little will be trusted with much. Amen? I'm sorry for going over time, but I think sometimes it's okay. Anybody want an apple? (laughs) Hands up. Who wants the apple? Praise God. Don't worry, Mum. I've got one in my bag that (laughs) you can have that one instead. It's a nice one. It's from New Zealand, the one I bought. All right. amen? Amen? Let's stand up and pray. Come on. Yeah, let's give God a clap. C3 Mumbai is a church in the heart of India's commercial capital where a diverse group of people brought together to worship God and to pass on the hope of salvation by grace that we freely received. For more information about C3 Mumbai, please visit our website c3mumbai.com or visit our Facebook page. Follow us on Instagram or tweet us on our handle at C3Mumbai. Hey, it's Ryan here. If you enjoyed this message and you live in Mumbai, we would love to meet you in person. Why don't you come along 11.30 a.m. Studio 10 at Famous Studios in Mahalakshmi.